Romans chapter 5, and we're going to start reading from verse 12. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the transgression, for if by the transgression of the one the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from transgressions resulting in justification. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who received the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So then, as through one transgression, there resulted condemnation to all men. Even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even so, through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. The law came in so that the transgressions would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that, as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So this portion, when I read the works of of, uh, theologians, uh, uh, some will confess that this is the most difficult portion of the entire book of Romans for them, and one of the most difficult portions for them to understand within the context of the New Testament. And so I am not a master at, at uh, um, uh, theology, so I am not going to try to, to, to uh, make things crystal clear for anybody. But let me just go through the background. Um, chapters 118 through 320 discuss the universality of sin so and how we all deserve condemnation because of sin being universal for, for, the, for the Jew, for the educated Greek, for the non-educated Greek. And then uh, in chapter 3, verse 21, through chapter 5, verse 11, we covered the universality of justification, how we are justified in Christ. And in chapter 5, verse 12, we're going to pick up the universality of salvation in Jesus Christ, how there's salvation available in Jesus Christ, regardless of our background. Uh, up till now, we've been talking about acts of sin or sins in, in the plural, sins, uh, uh, acts of sin. But now we're going to deal with the nature of sin. So it's not just the acts of sin, but it's the nature or sin without the S. Uh, um, so before it, it was, it was uh, uh, what God has done. Uh, um, what God has provided for the things that I do. But now it's what God has done 
for who I am. Who I am is a sinner. So we're going to learn about, about this. And here you really see the difference between modern Judaism and New Testament thought. Um, in Judaism, we are sinners because we commit acts of sin. We are sinners because we commit acts of sin. And this, and as I reflect back to the way I was thinking when the gospel was first preached to me, I certainly had this mindset. We are sinners because we commit acts of sin. In the New Testament, we commit acts of sin because we are sinners. We commit acts of sin because we are inherently sinners. We're inherently sinners and that's what causes us to commit acts of sin. We have a sin nature within us and that's what causes us to commit acts of sin. Uh, we are born with this. It's, it's something that we're born with. And so the difference is this. Remember, it, it, it was the, the, the Judaic thought, at least modern Judaism, is, is I commit acts of sin, therefore I'm a sinner. But in New Testament, I am inherently a sinner. I have a sin nature. And that's why I commit acts of sin. The result of this sin, this sin is physical death. Physical death has come upon the world as a result of this sin. And what we're going to be talking about is something called imputed sin. Imputed sin. And that's a word that's used here in the scriptures. And imputed sin is that we are looked upon as if we participated in the act of sin that Adam participated in. Uh, uh, we, we reap the consequences of that as if we ourselves had committed that act of rebellion against God. That is imputed sin. And people don't die as a result of their own personal sin. People die because of that sin that's been imputed to us in Adam. And that, and, and, uh, 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 that, that, that's why, that's why babies die who haven't committed any act of sin yet. Sometimes babies die in the womb because there is something that has been imputed upon them. Death comes because of this very act and we are looked upon as if we had ourselves had done that. That's imputed. Um, uh, personal sin or acts of sin that we commit, that we see upon ourselves every day. The sin nature is the reason why we commit those acts of sin. That's our sin nature. We die because, because we're all under this penalty of death that Adam brought, and it's as if we ourselves had done that. People go to hell because we're under this sentence of death. Apart from Jesus. Apart from Jesus, we are under this sentence of death. It's not our individual sins that send us to hell. It is that sin nature that, that has been imputed to us. Okay, with that, let's look more closely at, at verse 12 of Romans chapter 5. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin... And so death spread to all men because all sinned. We all sinned in Adam. That has been imputed to us. Uh, death spread to all men. And, you know, this is an interesting verse because, you know, I work in a lot in this area of origin of life. And, and uh, um, so I, I, I deal a lot in different thought. Uh, uh, there are young earth creationists. There are old earth creationists. And, and uh, um, uh, 
so there's this this thought that that death came into the world upon Adam's sin. Here it specifically says that death spread to all men. It's interesting that death spread to all men is what it says. It doesn't say that it spread to all beings. Maybe it did. Maybe it did. Maybe no creature, no creature died prior to the sin of Adam. Maybe. But here, what it says that we know it spread to all men. And, you know, it just as, as a scientist, it's hard to think of no creatures dying. Certainly plants were being eaten, so the plants died. But it, it's hard to even walk without killing microorganisms. You know, microorganisms live all over our bodies. I mean, you just touch yourself. You've killed, you've killed thousands and thousands of organisms. So there were clearly death. I mean, an elephant walking around never stepped on an ant never stepped on a microorganism. So, so, but here it says death spread to all men. So I don't want to pick on anything, whatever you believe about, about young earth, old earth, flat earth, you can believe whatever you want to believe. I'm not trying to change anyone's opinion on that. I'm just saying that, that here it says death spread to all men because all sinned. Now verse 13 is maybe the most difficult verse, certainly the most difficult verse in this book for theologians to deal with. And it's it's so hard for them to deal with that my translation, which I use the New American Standard Translation, has changed it to try to fit into something that they can relate to. So what the New American Standard says in verse 13 is, for until the law, capital law L, for until the law, meaning that the Mosaic law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no lowercase law, when there is no totality of law, this generality of law. But that's not the way it really reads. If you read the, the, the literal translation, and it will say it in the footnote of my New American Standard Bible, it, 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 it alerts me that it's changing it. Well, thanks a lot. I, I prefer you just didn't change it. It says, for until law, lowercase l, it has nothing to do with the Mosaic Law in this verse. There's no mention of the Mosaic Law in verse 13. For until law, lowercase l, and that may well mean the Edenic Law, the law that was given to Adam in the Garden of Eden, where he was told not to eat of the fruit of one particular tree. And, and uh, uh, for until law... Or it may mean this general sense of general law, <clears throat> until law, sin <clears throat> was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. So sin is not imputed when there is no law. So prior to the law being given, sin is not imputed. Now, I want to talk a little bit from, from uh, Genesis chapter 1 on this. And we covered the book of Genesis before we covered the book of Romans. And I never mentioned this back in Romans, in Genesis chapter 1. And the reason I didn't mention it at that time is because I, I didn't even know about this. I didn't know about this until I read Joshua Swamidas's book, uh, The Genealogical Adam and Eve, which I read somewhere, you know, when I was halfway through the book of Genesis already. But there is, there is, Old thought. I mean, this is not some newly concocted thing. That that um, that Adam that that uh, when it talks about in Genesis chapter one, when God makes man in His image, in 
uh, 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 male and female, he created them, and he told them to be fruitful and multiply. And then in Genesis chapter 2, we have this view of Adam, where he makes Adam from the dust of the ground. Eve is not around yet. And he makes a garden for Adam, which he builds de novo. He builds a new garden, which seems to be quite distinct from the greater plant kingdom that he had made. Now, the the typical traditional view of this in Genesis chapter 2 is that what you have is a zoomed-in version of what's going on in Genesis chapter 1. So when he says on day 6 in Genesis chapter 1 that God created man in his own image, Genesis chapter 1 verse 27, God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. So the thing that they were commanded with was to be fruitful and multiply. And, and, uh, um, and so, so that's, that was his commandment upon them to be fruitful and multiply. It is not in Genesis chapter one that he warns them about one particular tree and eating from it. That's in Genesis chapter two. Well, Genesis chapter two starts with, uh, 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 thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all their host. So he talks of the completion of the, the, the creation. And, and, uh, we read in Genesis chapter one, verse 31, that that had completed the sixth day, the sixth day of creation. Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, by the seventh day, God completed his works, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his works, which he had done. And then God blessed the seventh day, and so forth. So if you were to just pick up this book, and this happened with me, when I first read the book of Genesis, what I saw was the seventh day ended, and then I saw this, what looked like a de novo creation of Adam. And, uh, uh, it says, it says in, in verse, in verse, uh, um, seven of Genesis chapter two, then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became <clears throat> a living being. <clears throat> and the Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden. And there he placed the man, uh, the man whom he had made. And, uh, and, and then he, he goes ahead and, and then he gives the commandment in verse 16 of Genesis chapter 2. The Lord God commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Well, we know that when he ate from it that day, that specific day, he did not die physically. But he was, but he was now going to die physically. And there was something that happened to him spiritually along with that on the day he ate it. Uh, uh, and so, at least in this context, that word day did not mean the very same 24-hour day that he ate it. At least that particular use of the word day. Again, I'm not trying to change what you believe about anything. You keep believing it. That's not my, my desire here. I'm just saying, let's look at what the scriptures say. So, it's interesting that, that could it be that this is not a zoomed-in view? 
because the book of Genesis is written primarily sequentially. Boom, boom, boom. It's just written chronologically. And the, the, the book of Genesis doesn't often go back into a zoomed in view. It may cover a person's life, like it covers Judah's entire 30 years of Judah's life. And then it goes back and covers Joseph's life over that 30 year period. But it would be unusual to have a zoomed in view of this where he says, all right, now we're done. And now it appear, it could appear that Adam is is being created sometime after the seventh day by an unknown amount of time. Well, what does that do? Once you have Adam being created sometime, we don't know how long, after the seventh day in the, in the creation account, six days of creation and that seventh day of resting. If Adam is created by it's some known unknown, unknown amount of time after the seventh day, then we can't date anything about creation based on the lifetime, on, on going back the years and trying to calculate things based on when Adam was created. If that's the case, if that's the case, we don't know. Now, what does this have to do? What does this have to do with Romans chapter 5? Well, and again, this is not new thought. In fact, uh, um, you can trace this back to theologians even in the 1500s. We're dealing specifically with verse 13 of Romans chapter 5 because Romans chapter 5 confuses theologians tremendously. Romans chapter 5 says, For until law, lowercase l, for until law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Sin is not imputed when there is no law. Well, the Edenic law came in in the lifetime of Adam. Presumably in the early lifetime of Adam. Though we're not specifically told. Maybe it was on that very same day that Adam was created. In that garden. What sin is he talking about? That there was no imputed sin before there was a law. When there is no law. So could it be that there were humans that were not under the Edenic covenant. And these were then the humans that, uh, for example, Cain was talking about when he says, everybody's going to kill me. Were those his brothers and sisters? Or were those those other humans that were outside the Garden of Eden? How did they get out? If those were really the children of Adam and Eve, why did they ever leave the Garden? I mean, there was a there's a great emphasis not to have left. And, and why would they kill him for his act? Um, so, you know, it, it, uh, uh, it's a very confusing verse in verse 13. Now, if you're confused, um, uh, you, you know, don't feel too bad because in, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16, um, Peter writes about Paul's writings and he says, in which some things are hard to understand. So Peter himself, Peter, uh, uh, you know, this, this grand apostle, he had trouble understanding sometimes the writings of Paul. He substantiates <clears throat> that they are they are scriptures, <clears throat> but he himself has trouble understanding them. So if we have trouble understanding them, we're in good company. But you see that this is a very confusing verse in Romans chapter 5, verse 13. It makes terrific sense if Adam is a de novo creation and now you had... You had lots of human beings living without 
any Edenic law. There was plenty of sin in the world, but it was not, nothing was imputed to them because the law was not yet given. And now once Adam sins, then it's imputed to every one of those living human beings and they are going to die. It could be, or it could be some emphasis upon Eve because Eve sinned before Adam did, but nothing happened as a result of Eve's sin directly at that moment until until Adam himself also ate of the fruit because he was the representative. He was the quote-unquote first man. He was the representative of the human race after the Edenic law. So it could make have some reference to that. I don't know if I'm doing this justice, but uh, uh, I'm trying to do the best I can. All right, so that, that's a chemist's view on that. All right, verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses. So now he's talking about from Adam, from the point of the violation of the law in Eden, the Edenic law, until Moses, the writing of the the Mosaic law. So even before the Mosaic law, the 613 commandments were ever written, he says, death reigned. And there was plenty of sin. You go through the book of Genesis, you see all the sin that occurs between Adam and right on down through all those children of Joseph and all the things that they committed and all the acts of sin. So there was plenty of sin before the law of Moses ever came in. And he says, death reigned. And, uh, 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 and, and so there was this spirit of death that was reigning. There was this sin that was reigning over humankind. Even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who is to come. So he says, Adam is like a type. He is going to be a type, a representative for the entire human race. Verse 15, But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, meaning Adam, the many died, all is Adam's descendants, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many. He says again, these words, much more. Much more means that this is just a gazillion times greater. Now you have this, this, uh, um, this one act of Jesus on the cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection. Because of that one act, all these transgressions, everything that results from that. And I don't know how many sins a person my age will normally commit. But it's a lot. It's got to be in the millions. Got to be in the millions over my lifetime. And and uh, uh, he says, it's all covered. Every transgression is covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, as well as that transgression of Adam. Everything is covered. He says, the gift, in verse 16, the gift is not like that which came. Again, this word gift, I want you to look in verse 15. And God and the gift by the grace of the one man. Gift. Everything. <clears throat> it's constantly a gift. It is given. A gift is given. It is a gift. The gift is given by the grace. Back up in verse 15. The gift is given by the grace. Grace means an undeserved gift. The gift is given by an undeserved gift of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many. So when the Bible speaks of the first man, it's speaking of Adam. When it's speaking of the last man, it's speaking of Jesus. Even though after Jesus, many people have been born, could it be that there were people, there were humans born before Adam that were outside of that Edenic covenant? I don't know. 
uh, maybe there's some theologians that, that, that could give us insight there. But, but uh, opinions vary on this. And it says it was a gift. The thing I want to talk about is the gift, the grace of the gift by one man, Jesus Christ, abounded the many. The gift comes through Jesus. He is the best in every way. Every good thing is packaged. Every good thing from God is packaged in Jesus Christ. It's just packaged and comes to us in the gift of Jesus Christ himself. Verse 16, the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from transgression, resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free, the free gift arose from many transgressions, resulting in justification. Again, gift, free gift, it is written all over. It is a gift. It is a gift. It is a free gift. Because Jesus paid for this. It's free to us for many transgressions. From many transgressions. It's not just, doesn't just cover that sin of Adam. It covers many transgressions. Transgressions are actual acts against something that God has committed. From many transgressions resulted in justification. This is why we're justified. Verse 17. He's not going to underscore this again. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned. Again, the same thing. Death just reigned. If you look up in verse 14, death reigned. Again, verse 17, death reigned. There's this, without, without Jesus, I mean, it is just death. It is pure death. Death reigned through the one. Much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness the gift of righteousness will reign in life, reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Everything comes through Jesus. Paul is underscoring this. You want to know where it comes from? Through Jesus. One guy wrote to me this week, he was saying, I don't know why God is so good to me. I said, I know why. Because of his son, Jesus. It's because of Jesus he's so good to you. It's because of the work that Jesus did. Every good thing comes through Jesus. It says that that uh, it comes through Jesus. That that uh, whereas death was reigning, now it reigns in life. In verse seventeen, righteousness will reign in life. You see, without Jesus, there is no reigning of life. It is just the reigning of death. <clears throat> and this is exactly what you see in the lives of human beings. Without Jesus working in their life, it is death upon death. It is destruction. It is destruction in homes, it's destruction in life, it's destruction in finances, it's destruction in, in parent-child relationship, it is just destruction everywhere. Life reigns through Jesus Christ, through the appropriation of what's there in Jesus Christ. So he says here, uh, uh, verse 17 again, For if by the transgression of one death reigned through the one, much more, again this, this whole term, much more, what I'm telling you is so much greater, much more. Those who receive the abundance of grace. Remember, this is a gift, this whole word receive. A gift is given. You come to my home, I, I pick up something, I say, here, this is for you. Well, it's not yours until you receive it. You go, no, 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 I, I can't take that. Okay, well, then you don't get it. I mean, I offer it to you again, you can have this. And, and, and I know this game, dealing with international students, it's not a game, it's, it's, it's a real thing. You, you, you say no over and over again. Would you like something? No, I don't want to. You want something? No. And the third time, oh, okay. And you could be starving and you're going to say, no, I don't want anything to eat. Because this, this, and, and so I offer it again. 
This gift, this gift has to be received. It's as we receive it, as we believe it, we receive it through believing the truth of it. This is so much of what we have to get in this reigning of life. I see Christian lives just beat up by the world because they refuse to believe that God has good for them. They have received Jesus for their salvation, but after that, they want no more gifts. There are gifts, they want no more gifts that they want to believe in. And I'm like, why don't you want this? Why don't you want this truth? And when I see people walk in this and they deny it, it hurts me that God is holding out a gift for them. God's holding out a gift for them and they just don't take it. And I'm like, if you just do this, a guy wrote to me this week, he says, I have to talk with you, I have to talk with you, I know you meet with unbelievers to share with them, but could I have a Zoom call with you, I'm, I'm a believer, but I'm just having a lot of struggles, could I meet with you, because I want to convert, I want to have an experience like you had when you were saved, where, where Jesus appeared in your room, I want to be able to see what you see in, in, in the origin of life, I want to be able you have to explain all this to me. <clears throat> and I said, I'm not going to meet with you. I wrote back to him. I said, I'm not going to meet with you because you're seeking it in the wrong place. And I said, you look at John chapter 7, verse 17, that if you take his word and believe it, then you will know that Jesus is the Son of God. It says we go obey his word, then we know that Jesus is the Son of God. In John chapter 14, verse 23, if you obey the commandments of Jesus... Him and his father will come and make their abode with you. You don't need this appearance of Jesus. Jesus, you do what it says in John chapter 14 verse 23. You start obeying Jesus and you will have this abiding presence of Jesus. John chapter 7 verse 17. That as you take his word, then you will start to believe. As you follow through on his word, then you will believe all the more that Jesus is the son of God who he says he is. And then in John chapter 14, verse 23, you obey his word, his father and Jesus will come and make their abode with you. You're looking in the wrong place. And he wrote back to me, he says, you know, you're absolutely right. You told me exactly what my pastor has been telling me. And because I don't want them to look to me, I have nothing to give them beyond what Jesus Christ has given them because he's given them everything. Jesus has so much for us in life. The problem that the author in, in the, of, of the author of the book of Hebrews tells us is that because they do not appropriate, they do not receive that which has been given, that is why the struggles are coming to them. Because even in the midst of persecution, God's sufficiency is there, even in the midst of persecution. God's sufficiency is there if we appropriate what he has for us. That's why in, in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, verse, verse uh, um, 2 says, For indeed we have had the good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. When the word is not united by faith, when they will not receive it by faith, they do not receive it and their lives are beat up. Death reigns. Death continues to reign. Destruction continues to reign in the life of the believer when they will not receive the things that God has given. I believe every word in this book. All the promises are yea and amen for the believer. Every word in this book. And that's why it says... <clears throat> um, in verse, in verse 20, it says in verse 20, The law came in so that transgression would increase. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Where, <clears throat> even when there is sin, sin, uh, uh, 
in front of us. It says grace is sufficiently abounded all the more. It says grace abounded all the more. More, more grace, more grace, more grace comes upon us in troubles. Verse 21, so that as sin reigned in death, sin reigns in death and sin brings destruction. It says, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He sums it all up in the end of this chapter. It all comes through Jesus, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So if you read, if you read in, in verse 13, he ends verse 13, Jesus Christ, <clears throat> Jesus Christ, it's all in Jesus. He underscores this again. Verse 70, he ends that verse, it's all in Jesus Christ. He says it again, it's, it's just there in Jesus. And then he ends this in verse 21, it's all in Jesus Christ. How much more clear could he have been? Could he have been more explicit with us? We could never go to God and say, well, if I... You know, if you only made it more clear in your word, you'd be like, how could I have done it more clearly? It's all in Jesus. Every good thing is in Jesus. You can't worship Him enough. You can't thank Him enough. The abundance is in Jesus Christ. The abundant life for the believer is in Jesus Christ. In the midst of persecution, in the midst of pain, in the midst of your career, in the midst of what is whatever is happening, there is an abundance there in Christ in Jesus for us, it will rain life. Life comes raining, raining, raining down. Without Jesus, there is no life. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for your word. You have been so good, so good to us. Lord, I pray for every believer on this line that you would give them a heart for you and that they would take this word and believe it that there is sufficient grace, there is life in Jesus, there's forgiveness over transgressions, and there is redemption, there is justification. Lord, I pray that you would work this in their lives. Oh Lord, work it in their lives, I pray. Father, I thank you for Jesus, who gave everything to us, and all the gifts are embodied in him. Thank you, Lord, again and again you pour out gifts. And Father, for those on this line who are unbelievers, Lord, I pray that your gift, your gift would be dropped upon them, that this very day they would give their heart to Jesus, that they would pray this very day, Lord, forgive me because I am a sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and I believe that he is Lord. Father, draw them to your son this day. And Lord, I pray that many would come to Jesus. Many come. Draw them in, O Lord. Draw them in for the glory of Jesus and in His name. Amen.